first it's you can't make change without awareness so you have to be aware and then it's a matter of you know trying to work on it but it's a doing it with a sensitivity and with a respect as opposed to you know you don't bring me flowers anymore yeah <laughs> um, yeah This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I discussed the longest personality study ever conducted and what it means for your marriage. Stay tuned. Okay, here's the deal. I love wine. I know a little bit about wine, but I'm not an expert. But you know who is? Our wine club partner, Touring and Tasting. We have been working together for five years now, and I can honestly say that they have delivered to my door some of the best wines I have ever had. We started working with them so that we could deliver to you an ongoing reminder, a treat to slow down with your spouse and enjoy each other's company and to reconnect. To help facilitate with each shipment, we provide simple date night ideas and touring and tasting shares background information on the wineries and includes recipes that will pair well with your wines. I should note that many of these wines are typically only available if you actually visit the winery or become a member of that wine club. The customer service from Touring and Tasting is ridiculous. I have a friend who joined and then called me to rave about how enjoyable their customer service experience was. That's unheard of, right? So here's the deal. There are no membership fees. Shipping is free. You can cancel at any time And these unique award-winning wines come with 100% satisfaction guaranteed, which means they guarantee the wine is delicious or they will replace it free upon request. If you decide the wine you just had was amazing and you want to reorder, you can save up to 70% off of retail. Now here's the closer. If you sign up today, you will receive your first shipment for half price. You can join right now and get your first shipment for a flat fee of $49 plus tax. This is before the half price offer. So your pre-taxed first shipment is less than $25 for two amazing bottles of wine. This is a limited time offer, so don't wait. Go to hitchedmag.com and click the wine club link to join today. Gift options are also available. Ahem, wedding season around the corner. And again, visit hitchedmag.com and click the wine club link to join in celebrating your marriage. Cheers. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of hitchedmag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hey, Steve. How are you? I am doing good. Uh, So Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can find out more at her website, drkarensherman.com. And uh, today, Karen, we are going to talk about this study that recently came out. Um, It is the longest running personality study ever conducted. Um, I've seen it in several different places, uh, but basically I'll just give the quick breakdown. Um, One of the things that it talks about is you may 
personality-wise, be a completely different person uh, from when you are 14 years old to when you are 77 years old. And so let me break down how how that came about. So researchers from the University of Edinburgh and the UK analyzed the results of a 1947 study that recruited over 1,200 teens in Scotland at the age of 14. Decades later, the team contacted 635 of those original students and 174 of them uh, gave their did an, did a follow-up personality test. Um, when the researchers compared the results uh, f- at when these people were uh, 77 years old compared to when they were 14, they found no notable correlation, and they had hypothesized that they would find evidence of personality stability over. Uh, that period of 63 years, but when in, in fact they found no relation to the 14-year-old personality to the 77-year-old personality. Um, Off-air, and I have no idea what you're going to say, Off-air, you mentioned that you read through this study and you had some problems. Do you want to discuss those first before we get into some of the questions I have for you? Yeah. Um, you know, as a psychologist... Um, I had to take courses in running experiments. And there's a lot about this study that I have a problem with, um, just by the sheer number. So they start out with a very large number of people and that they reference. And then from there, they're able to contact a much smaller number. And then there's an even smaller number who are willing to, you know, give their information. So... I don't know that the sample, that the people who actually were willing to speak to them are truly representative of everybody. Um, it's it's a, a much smaller number. And very often we know that people who volunteer are not necessarily representative of the actual population. Um, so that's my first complaint. Okay. The second one is that um, it talks about correlation, and they found no correlation. But correlation doesn't necessarily mean anything mm-hmm. because a correlation has nothing to do with causation. They're talking about um, uh, interviewing people when they were 14. There's so much going on when you're 14. Your personality can change not only week to week. It can change um, you know, day by day, hour by hour. 14 is a very um, volatile time of one's life. So I don't know that I would uh, use that time period as the period where I would start assessing somebody's personality and then compare it to later on. Now, there's another very, very famous study regarding personality that was done by Thomas and Chess, where they looked at a child's personality not very long after they were born and then compared it to their personality into their early 20s. And that is considered like one of the earmarked studies in psychology. And what they found was that your personality stayed the same. Mm -hmm. So if you were an easygoing person, you were an easygoing person, you know, an easygoing baby, you were an easygoing baby. And if you were, you know, a... 
a fussy baby or a difficult baby, you were continued to be that way much older. Um, I don't, I don't really, I, upon reading the study, didn't feel that it had a lot of validity, to be quite frank with you. That being said, I think that there are still things that we can discuss about the way um, factors impinge on your personality, the way things in our biology change that can impact your personality, and how that can then affect your relationship. Mm -hmm. So really, uh, to sum up, you kind of feel like the evidence that of of the conclusion of this study is kind of thin. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Well, we will. I will ask some questions, and if you feel like they're too out there or don't really apply because you don't believe in what the study suggests, we can we can move on. Okay. Um, so the first thing that I have for you is. Assuming that personalities do change, and you know whether this study's true or not, I think a lot of people uh, within marriages have made statements, something to the effect of, uh, "This is not the person I married." Mm-hmm. Uh, so, just going on the broad topic of personality shifts throughout a lifetime, um, what does that mean for marriage? Okay, I'm I'm not sure whether you want me to address personality shifts or the phrase "this is not the person I married." Let's go personality shifts. That's more in line with what the study was talking about. Well, again, I think that there are lots of reasons that somebody could be displaying behavior or acting in a way that looks different than what you expected based on what you experienced while you were dating, before you were married. Mm -hmm. Um, But that in part could be because um, your perception was um, impacted by, quote, the the love goggles that you Mm. had on. (laughs) So maybe now you're seeing the person more realistically. Um, when you are, uh, you've committed to marriage and uh, the dust settles and there's a lot of stress that goes on, people, number one, are responding to stress. So your personality um, acts, you know, responds a little differently when you're under stress. Uh, so that certainly could uh, be influencing the feeling that your partner has that, you know, this is not the person I married. Um, you're now, most people have children after they're married, so that uh, factors in. So there's lots of different situations that would also affect one's personality uh, that might even bring out parts of personality that you might not have seen uh, previously. So it, it, to me, it sounds not like the personality itself changes but more that you are able to see a broader spectrum of that person's personality because you've seen them put in multiple scenarios that have revealed who they are. So uh, if, you know, when you are 20 years old, 
you haven't had the stress of carrying a career and a kid yes and being responsible for you know making the rent um yes uh if you are 45 and your spouse's health suddenly takes a turn um it might reveal something about your personality that you didn't have to deal with when you're 26 exactly mm-hmm. so okay so um and you threw a second variable in there which is the natural chemical release that we have when we fall serve for somebody, those rose tinted glasses that you discussed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a real thing too, because it's not like that per- the um, person you're falling in love with, that their personality is different. It's just that your perception of their personality changes yes. because of what you're on. Now, with that being said, we are a highly medicated society. Mm-hmm. Um, and we put chemicals into our body that we do definitely know can change personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, what about that where we um, we have this person in our life, we've gone 10, 15, 20 years, they, let's just say there's some sickness or anxiety or whatever it might be, they start taking a medication and it it changes their personality, like literally changes, like I don't, this is not um, the person – like they're a little more chill or they're more hyper or whatever the side effect may be. What about a scenario like that? I think that that's possible and you know any good um, clinician, whether it be a medical doctor or a psychologist, we look for you know, tell me what's different and tell me when the difference occurred. So to your point, if you know you would say, well, you know – um, I've been feeling particularly anxious, and it started after uh, we found out that uh, our child is being labeled, uh, you know, on the spectrum. And I've been feeling so stressed lately. I've started taking, uh, you know, certain medication for it. Then, then it is possible that you're reacting to a medication, mm-hmm. or that you're reacting to outside factors. So, absolutely, that's an important thing to look at. Okay, it's often argued that marriage is on the decline, but what that really means, or what many people mean when they say that, is that people are marrying later. Mm-hmm. Because the number of people actually aren't going down over the long spectrum of life. It's mm-hmm. just that there's not as many people getting married at a young age. Mm-hmm. So with what we know about having this broader spectrum of personality understanding, do you think it's actually beneficial that people are um, marrying later because they have an opportunity to see more of a personality and it, I guess at the end of your life, that's more closely resembling um, the person you married than if you got married like right out of high school or something? Well, I, I think it's better to marry later for a number of reasons. Um, number one, you're more stable, you're more grounded, you're more settled in life um, and you're more experienced. So you're not going to be as volatile. You're not going to be as impulsive. You're, you know, you're just going to have a different perspective on life that a certain maturity in handling things. Um, as far as getting to know the person that depends on how long you're going out with the person. You could have as little knowledge as a younger person. If you only 
know the person a month and decides to get married. Sure. You know, the longer that you're with somebody and the more variety of situations that you're in together, the, the greater ability you have to see that person in a number of different settings and how they react and how they behave. So I don't know that that's necessarily just a factor of age and maturity. I think it's also, you know, how long uh, you're together. Um, that being said, there are also certain biological things that happen to us in older age that will affect your personality. And so some of that feeling of this is not the person I married might come up at an older age, and that would be due to biology. So for instance, we know that men um, have much more um, oxytocin, the feel-good hormone, later in life. And as a result of it, they're much more social. So they make much better grandpas than they did dads, many Mm. men. Um, That is the reason that if a man is widowed, he will look for a partner much faster than many women do because men don't like to be alone. Um, There is some, or I shouldn't say some, a lot of anecdotal information about grumpy old man syndrome. And that is hormonally based. Now, we also know that women go through their changes. I don't want to be unfair here, that women go through their changes and that they're not very pleasant people to be around when they're going through their changes. So when you when you talk about these hormonal changes, mm-hmm. um, and that changes how people respond to their environment, mm-hmm. so the grumpy old man, are we talking semantics about personality change and hormone change? Hmm. <sighs> like if that's – for example, if, if I say like, well, that's who I am – like this is one of those things that I get upset about when like when I see like politicians be hypocritical for example mm-hmm. they will preach a certain thing but then they will act another way and mm-hmm. so when you're talking personality like well yeah I'm a chill person except I act like an ass all mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. Well, if you're acting like an ass all the time, you're not a chill that, person. Right. Like that might be how you are on the scale, uh, on the personality scale, uh-huh. but you're wigging out all the time and you uh-huh. are not the chill uh-huh. person that your personality right, right, right. says right. you are. So, um, you know, if we, if we can acknowledge that there are hormonal changes that happen during life, and I think that's maybe where this study comes in and you'd mentioned that like 14, what a crazy time to start right. doing a personality thing. Uh-huh. But to, I mean, 14, like that is dead center and like crazy hormone changes going on. Yeah. Um, and as you said, like hormones change how we respond to people. And what's the difference um, between that and your personality? And um, and what's the difference between that and when you have your rose tinted glasses on, you know, again, right. right. if I'm with somebody who and they see me with the rose tinted glasses and they are responding to me in my crazy quirkiness in this like loving, affectionate way. And then six, eight, two years down the road, they're not doing that. To me, mm-hmm. that's a personality change. Hmm. I, I, 
I'm, if you could see me, you'd see a big smile on my face. I, I, I can't argue with what you're saying. I can't argue with what you're saying. Um, I guess it depends on how you're going to define personality. Sure. Okay. Um, the manner in which you're describing it, then I would say yes. I guess it depends, again, as I just said a moment ago, mm-hmm. on what is the operative definition of personality. Can I just interject really quick here? I think this is important because this is also, when we talk about studies a lot of times, um, or just information in general, uh, this is like kind of the boring stuff, like the boilerplate stuff yeah, that goes yeah. on the bottom, the methodology. Right, right, right. That really makes all the difference about the data that you're consuming because how do they define right. <laughs> personality? And I, I used to work at a business publication and um, the government, for example, defines small businesses as 500 employees or less. And I always mm-hmm. thought that was insane. Right. Like I would, right. if somebody told me they work at a company that's got 386 employees, I would never consider them a small business. Right. But the right. government does, right? So right. The, the, this stuff matters. So. Right. So I, I think you're, you're correct. And, you know, as you describe what you just did, I guess I can say to you, well, you're right. That, that is their personality. That is who they are. They are. You know, sometimes somebody yeah. does something that is out of character, and mm-hmm. they'll say, "Well, that's not who I am." But you did it, so that is who you are. Yeah, exactly. You know. However, again, it it we've got to look at the matter in which we are describing what defines personality, and maybe that is the reason that this study found that one's personality changes so much. And I'm going back to to the Thomas and Chess study, Mm -hmm. and they were using different ways of defining personality and saying that one can predict somebody's personality at 20 based on who they were not long after they were born. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, So let's just uh, um, say that there will be changes in how you respond to your environment. Fine, I like as you that. as you age. Okay. Um, how can couples make sure that their marriage stays strong and bonded while this happens? My answer is always going to be to be open with each other, but do it in a respectful way, in a sensitive way, and to talk about it. The problem is, you know, a lot of times things look great on paper and then you put them into action and they fall apart. So the problem is, especially if we're talking hormones, that you could present something eloquently, beautifully, you know, the most effective way that any good therapist tells you to do it. And the person could have a really bad reaction because they're being hormonally driven. Mm-hmm. Um so this is this is a difficult one. Um, you know, they may not be a self-aware person. They may not have any interest in really looking at themselves. They may be highly sensitive to start with. And if a lot of what's going on is being driven by hormonal shifts, if I even beautifully say to you, you know, I know that 
this is something that is out of the ordinary for you, but I've been noticing lately that you've been um, seeming to react a little bit more, um, you know, uptight and da 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 I can't necessarily guarantee that the person's going to go, oh, honey, thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, so so um, it, it's a rough one. It, it is really difficult. Um, okay, I mean, uh, 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 let's, let's just move forward then. If you feel like you're noticing your spouse's personality changing, mm-hmm. is there something you can do to um, like – I guess, grow with that change or accept the change or attempt to modify the change or anything of that nature? Well, you never have a right to change anybody else. I mean, and again, I do think that things are worth discussing. And as I just said, discuss it in a sensitive way, in a respectful way, blah, blah, blah. That being said, you don't have the right to change somebody else. You can only change yourself. So you have to change the way you react to it. Mm-hmm. And you may have to learn to work around it. And to me, the best solution is to look at the whole of the person. You know, um, no relationship, no person is going to be perfect. If the good outweighs the bad, if pretty much uh, the person that you're with is satisfying you and the relationship is good, then you got to just sort of come to some way of living, accepting, working around some of the unpleasantries. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, is it one of these things where you need to have the, the open discussion about, you know, you never, you know, when we, maybe I'm trying to phrase this so it's not an attacking phrase, but when we were, uh, first married or something, you know, we used to really enjoy doing these things. Or when I would come home late, I never got this kind of grief or whatever, whatever they feel like is, is happening. Do you try to present them these juxtaposing scenarios of how it used to be and how it is now? Does that help? I think that if you can if you can point out that I've noticed, you know, I've noticed that there's been this shift, you know, number one, are you aware of it? Do you notice it as well? Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and then go to, you know, okay, you know, do you have any reason that you think this is happening? Um, you know, are you under stress? Are you tired? Are you not feeling well? So it's not being done as an attack as much as, you know, trying to work with the person. And then you go to, you know, what can we do about it? And it would be more about like, let's say it used to be that we used to be much more carefree. Mm -hmm. Um, and we used to just do things spontaneously, you know, have you noticed that, that we're not doing things as spontaneously as we used to? Well, yeah, sure. I am noticing. Well, you know, do you, do you have any sense of, of why that's not happening for us? You know, I, I, I think it's just because I feel like really, you know, tight on money and I, I'm worried about our, you know, our savings now that we're starting to retire, you know, you know, what can we do about it? Mm. Um, you know, so first it's, you can't make change without awareness. So you have to be aware. And then it's a matter of, you know, trying to work on it, but it's a, doing it with a sensitivity and with a respect as opposed to, you know, you don't bring me flowers anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think that that will be the most productive and effective way 
you know, to work towards it. Um, I, yeah. yeah. And I, and I like that too, because when you're offering up a suggestion of have you noticed that you bring them into the solution aspect of it, or at least the being able to self-identify or dig through what may be causing the situation. And as we were talking about the beginning, the environment changes, right? So it's not mm-hmm. necessarily that you have changed, but for sure the world around us mm-hmm. has changed in the last 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. And so... Um, you might have been carefree, um, but now with the climate of whatever, you feel like that would be an irresponsible thing to do, or you have had incidents in your life which has made you less carefree. Maybe you've been mugged in a big city, and mm-hmm. so you don't feel like you know going out late at night at two o'clock in the morning. Right. Um, and so it's not really a personality shift. It's more of a life experience that affects how you respond to your environment. Right, right. Good example. Um, do you have anything else that you would like to add before we wrap this one up? You know, just that I, I think that the only thing that is, and this is going to sound so cliche but the only thing that is stable in life is that things are always changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to know that things will change. And again, um, the best way to handle that going forward is knowing that you don't have the right to change somebody else. Um, you can only change yourself, but that there are ways that you can approach your partner so that they might be more um, open to responding to you. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things um, is keeping a strong marriage throughout a long timeline because then they don't seem like such a stranger when you do reconnect later on in life if you've had this giant gap because we know that uh, marriage or divorces spike um, late in later stages of marriage because and this is typical for um, empty nesters they've spent all their time parenting raising a family and not focusing at all on their relationship. And then when they have to finally live together with no other distractions, you know, there's this wide gap of this person they thought they were married to. Absolutely. So I'm, thank you for saying it because I think it's a very, very important salient point. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that will do it for us this week, Karen. This was, this was really fun because I had no idea where this was going to go. And I think it uh, unspooled well. Okay. Okie dokie. So that is going to do it. And I want to thank you one last time. Uh, You guys have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get all this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. Of course, you can find it at our website, hitchmag.com. Uh, I encourage you to sign up for our newsletter. Uh, You can do that by going to our homepage, and there's a newsletter sign-up box on the right-hand side. Or you can click the uh, newsletter link in the main navigation there. It takes 30 seconds to sign up, and you will get weekly information delivered to your inbox, including updates of the podcast. So uh, that's going to do it for us this week. One last time, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Steve. All right. That's going to do it. Take care, everybody. 